You're listening to Not the Sermon with Eric and Jamie. Hey, everybody, what's up? We are starting a new episode of Not the Sermon. Hey, guys, if you're just tuning in, you're wondering what's Not the Sermon. I'm Jamie. I'm a lead pastor at our church, and Eric is our student pastor at the church. Wah, and uh, wah, we wah. just <laughs> wanted to talk I'm about little baby pastor. Wanted to talk about uh, he's my he's my youngling. Um, just wanted to talk about stuff that's not the sermon. Uh, anything that's not the sermon is fair game on this podcast. But Jamie, you said something this past Sunday, and I re- and I'm just kidding. Nope, I really, actually, sermon. don't want to talk about what you taught about this past mm-hmm. Sunday because that's all people care about. They just care about our sermons. We're more than just sermon birthing machines. I'm not. That's all I am. You're just a sermon birthing <laughs> machine. We also have with us our uh, handy dandy uh, lead tech, uh, Phoenix. What's up, Phoenix? That sounds more like a crow, I think, than yeah. a... <laughs> <laughs> the crow. Um, so I wanted to start off this morning talking about like just a dumb adult mistake. Mm, you know, like yeah. you ever have those? Like, oh, it's yeah. not a big deal. It's just like it's a stupid adult mistake. It's like forgetting to put a stamp on an envelope and then mailing it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So I, I needed to get fuel this morning. And uh, I, I pull over, go in the gas station. And since when does there have to be eight buttons to push to get gas yes. now? Especially yes. like new gas stations when there's like E85, diesel, off-road diesel, 97, 87, 67, 57. And so I'm just- Pre-octane. Yeah, pre-octane. <laughs> Pre-Christ. This is the, get your pre-Christ fuel here. Is there post-octane? I don't know, probably. But anyway, so I pull in there and I'm like, I'm just going to get like, like, you know, we're, we're going to be, we're probably gone as this episode airs. I'm just going to get a little bit to get me through the week. And uh, I'm pumping it. I'm like, golly, when did gas get this expensive? Bro, I was filling it up with premium, dog. Oh, really? I just hit premium. I don't, it's it, like, it's a new gas pump. It all just looks the same. And like, I just hit the button, started going. And I was like, 374 a gallon? This is a ripoff. And then I looked at the button that I pushed and it was stinking premium. Yeah. Wow. Living that, living that premium life, yeah. bro. You got that premium oh, that, gas that, money. That youth pastor salary, Ooh, dog. I, yeah, I have a high performance machine. Hey, you know, I was in Colorado and they had E85. Yeah, gasoline, and I'd never seen that because eighty-seven is the lowest that's, where we live. That's in that Georgia. corn gas. Well, I don't know what it is, but but I was like, shoot, yeah, this is che-. it was a, it was cheaper. It's, eth- it's ethanol. Well, and it, and it was I was had a rental car, so I was like, whatever, and so I put <laughs> it in. And as I was taking uh, the 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 gas out of the gas ca- cap area, it said no E eighty-five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like frantically googling what happens when you. Oh, fill so up. you filled it up? I did. I did. It destroys the rubber. Did it burn the car down. It's no. It said. If you do it once, it'll be fine. You might have the check engine light come on, <laughs> but but if you do it consistently, it'll wear out the engine. Oh, that's great! But hey, that's not great. my car. Yeah, right. whose car was it? A rental? Yeah, it was a rental. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me. One time, I never get the insurance on rentals, but I was taking a a, a group of it was like a youth trip, and uh, I had uh, rented three vans, had two other drivers. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, man, they're going to wreck these cars. We're going to be on the hook for it. And so uh, I go ahead and get the insurance for them, like for their sake. And mm-hmm. it just covers, you know, extra hundred dollars per vehicle. So I get them for all three vans. And then the last day of the trip and like, you're just conked after a youth weekend, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm backing up to get the kids to load their luggage. And I hit this giant decorative boulder. Oh no. Dude, I did it. Oh, I did it. I was such a weasel. Bro. I have so many church van stories from when I was a youth pastor. I don't yeah. even know if I want to share them. One in particular, though, 
uh, we were in the mountains and uh, this was, was this the rental or the church van? I think this was the church van. And, it, and there was no place to turn around. There's no room to turn around in this driveway. So we pulled up. There was a house like kind of above us, but very close. So I pulled into their driveway and, and thought, I'll turn around up there. But there wasn't room there. And so I literally had our church van mm-hmm. inches from a cliff leading to the house we were staying Jeez, in. Dude. I, and I had to get out. I was like putting my foot off of the brake and immediately onto the gas and like praying. I was praying in every unknown language that existed in the world. Right now, <laughs> I was like, I mean, I might die. I might wreck the, <laughs> the van. Yeah. I might wreck the house. I might fall. The van might fall on a youth. It was bad. Dude. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I never want to be in that position. Well, anyways, dude, so we have uh, a little bit of listener feedback. Like, I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before last. We had a nice poem that we read yes. uh, to the tune of some very classical music. Uh, this this time we had a listener um, send us in a psalm. That's right, and I would call it an imprecatory psalm. Imprecatory. Um, those are the sad ones, I think. Mm, it's a uh, lament. A lament. A psalm of lament from one of our listeners. Uh, do you do you remember their name? Tom. Tom from yeah, Tom from Georgia. Tom from Georgia. He's a recent assistant. transplant from California. He goes to our church. Okay, yeah. sweet. And so he sent us a psalm, and uh, we're going to tune it up. We're going to set the mood a little bit with some. Middle Eastern music. Yeah, so guys, I want you to think about, um, I want you to think that you're in uh, maybe the third century BC, and um, you're calling out to God. It's a Davidic psalm of lament. And I'm going to use the voice of a white dude on the Bible app reading (laughs) you the psalm. (laughs) Mm. Oh, wow. Man, my stomach just started hurting. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Here we go. Here we go. I could have just wrapped it. That would have been amazing. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Wait for the coming spot. I praise you, O Lord, that my eyes are protected through the audio-only format. Oh. Though gross. I weep for my ears and the blood they must shed when the scubalon of the bovine is spewed. <laughs> what have I done? to be forced to endure the three quarters of an hour. Is it not enough that I tolerate them each Sunday to learn to follow the true you? Mm. Is it not enough, Lord? Heal me, O Lord, that I may stop searching for the next episode, that the songs will leave my head and I will no longer find myself singing one during my day. (laughs) Lift me beyond my ailment. My addiction to learning and love while laughing. Mm. (laughs) The beat dropped at the perfect time. Awesome. That was great, dude. So that was an an amazing, endearing song or song there. That was so good. I feel I'm all in my feelings. Yeah, man. I mean, I really felt the lament. He said, heal me, O Lord, that I may stop searching for the next episode. Mm. But yet, he still does. We're like crack. We are. We're like fentanyl. Just a little <laughs> just a little dab. Just, oh a, just the size but, of, of uh, Abe Lincoln's beard on a penny is enough to get you hooked. But we won't kill you, we promise. Or we will. Or will we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sermonauts, we are coming to our next segment, which is a new segment that we call 
oh my, your Greek is showing. Maybe it's not oh my, but it's called your Greek is showing. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with oh my. That's fine. Oh my, your Greek is showing. Because that's what, I, that's have what you, happens. Have you ever noticed, uh, uh, so in TV and movies, people say, well, 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 <laughs> all the time, but no one says that in real life. I do. Well, 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 looky what we have here. That's so much in TV and movies, but I don't hear it in real life. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Proceed. And no one says, oh my, when they see something either. Oh my. It's, it's, they usually say something like, uh, where's the sensor button at? Nope. I don't know. You're on the wrong page. Oh no. Oh, dude. No, yeah, no. fail. Okay, we're Heaven help us. Anyways, so uh, oh, your, my. your Greek is showing is a segment where we talk about uh, Greek words. You know that most uh, majority of the New Testament was written in, written in Koine Greek. <laughs> written. Written. It was, it was written. That's Baby a Greek um, word. It was written in Koine Greek, which is uh, a dead language that we, is no longer spoken, but it's an academic language. It's and, all Greek to me. And sometimes when uh, you are, you might read a verse in the Bible, and it means something uh, specifically in English, but there's possibly a Greek word that has a, a more revolutionary meaning behind it, and it might change the way that you read the verse or understand a theological concept. And so, uh, you know, one day me and Jamie were talking about Greek words, and I was like, oh my, your Greek is showing. Um, and so what Jamie's going to do is he's going to give us a, uh, a Greek word, and we're yep. going to talk about it and hopefully revolutionize your understanding of the Bible. I'm going to get him to the Greek. So... Here we go. This is phrased as a question uh, because I saw an article recently where a minister said, don't tell people that everyone is God's child. We're not yeah. all God's children. I saw, I saw that video. Um, and uh, I began to think, well, is that true? And so as as is with most things, there's a balance here, right? In one sense, it's true. In another sense, it's not true. But when you go to the Koine Greek in the New Testament, it kind of describes, um, you know, what does it mean to be a child of God? And so there are actually three Greek words I want to share with everyone about being a child of God. The first one um, is... Uh, <laughs> dude, you got to stop it with that. <laughs> I, I wasn't planning on doing that until just then. It's genos. Uh-huh. So it's spelled G-E-N-O-S. So it's this is like the root word where we would get um, genes or genetics or generation. Origin. Something like, yeah, it's the origin. Exactly. Genesis. Uh, and it means a descendant or kin, distant, re- distantly related. So Acts 17, 28, Paul is... Uh, preaching to the Greeks, mm-hmm. and he quotes one of their poets, Epimedes. Uh, Ep- Ep- Epimenides is his name. <laughs> but... He can't say a dead Greek word. <laughs> Let's all laugh. But it says this, for in him, Jesus, we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So there's the word. It's translated offspring, which is a great translation for this Greek word. Mm-hmm. Because... Offspring doesn't really denote relationship. It just means it's where you came from. And this is a biblical truth that everyone, every human being is made in God's image and in God's likeness, according to Genesis, and we are God's offspring. So is everyone God's child? Well, in the sense that God is the source of humanity, yes, he -hmm. is the, he is the father of creation. Okay. But there are other words for child. So 
Uh, there's another one. This is Greek word is translated children usually, and it's technon. Y'all say that after me. Technon. Technon. You have to say it like the Strong's G. Strong's 135. G. 135. Yeah, technon sounds like, that sounds like what you put in your gas, man. This has got 83 technon. <laughs> um, and it means a child by mere fact of birth. If you were born um, of a father or mother, you are their technon. And so, for instance, John 1, 12 and 13 says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children yeah. of God. And so this is a born again Christian. Okay. What? So you... I was going to say, it's not like being a, like not a baby daddy. Like you don't have a baby daddy. You have a father. <laughs> you have a father and okay. you know who your father is. Okay. Now th- that's a good point. I know you were joking, but the offspring, you might not know who your father is. Yeah. Right, you were born like you had to have came a from somewhere. You came from somewhere. <laughs> Told you not to talk about that. And that somewhere is God. Yeah. But here, you know who your father is, right? And so, but and you look like them. Um, it's by mere fact of birth. Or but, in other words, you, your daddy's son. You, your daddy's son. Okay. What's your name? <laughs> Who's your daddy? Yeah. Who's your daddy? He rich. You rich like me. I thought you were going to keep singing with me. So I, I want I so difference in generations there. I quoted a uh, sort of new rap song, and then he goes back to like the seventies. I went back to is the sixties, yeah. sixties, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, third third word for children in in Greek is uh, actually usually translated sons or sons and daughters, and this is huios. Huios. So this is like you're going down a slide in the playground. You go, whee. Actually, no, no, no. You're going down a slide in France and you go, whee. (laughs) So this is huios. And this means recognized as a son by behavior or character pattern. Mm -hmm. So this is more of, so while, while the first one was offspring, the second one was a child by birth. You might look like your father. Um, but here you act like your father. So mm-hmm. uh, when this is used as Romans eight fourteen, it says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So to be born again is to be a technon, right? To be a, a son, but to, to actually act like and to be led by the spirit is to be a, a child or a huios of God. Yeah. So those are the three. And so like, for instance, like I think about my kids, like I marked my kids pretty good as far as like what they look like. It's called trauma. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't mark them with my hands. No. Um, I marked them with my genetics. Um, <laughs> Which is also very sad. <laughs> it's it true. It's pretty traumatic as well. They turned um, out all right. And and, and uh, some of them look a lot like me. Like my oldest son, Ethan, looks a lot like me. We were at his wedding couple months ago and, and uh, some of his uh, college friends and his, his wife's family had not met me before. And a couple people went up to me and were like, wow, you are Ethan's dad. Yeah. Um, so there's no, because I marked him because he's my son by right of birth. Yeah. He's my technon, but also Ethan loves music. He plays multiple instruments. He sings, he leads worship. Actually, all my children do. And in that way, they're more like a huios. They do what their father does it's not just looking like their father because mm. of their new birth. Does and that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's bold for anyone to say that, like, even unbelievers, like, are image bearers in a sense, like, through creation, yeah. through birth. Sure. And, and I think if we're thinking about that same, you know, video, it was someone that was basically like harping against that thought, like, you know, unbelievers are not, you know, made in the image of God. They're not children of God, and and, and like they don't act like their father. Sure, and they're not regenerated. Sure. But that'd be like, I mean, 
God can't create something and not leave his mark on it. That's right. You know, or else what would be, what would we be returning to? There's no, it reminds me of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. He didn't stop being a son when he was in the pig pen. Right. Right. He was still a son. Now he wasn't he acting, acting like or a son. he wasn't living like a son right. and he didn't, uh, you know, reap the benefits of being a son. Um, but he wasn't any less son when he was away from his father. And so that's why, and, and, and Paul says it, and gosh, I'm, my scripture organ's not working this morning, but he says, <laughs> wow. in, in, okay. I think it's in second Corinthians. No, tell me more about your scripture organ. <laughs> I, I have a specific organ for various tasks. Okay. Um, my scripture organ is, is one of those that helps me recall uh, verses. It's deficient. Um, but anyways, he says, we don't, uh, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh, right, right. anymore. And what he was talking about is like, like we, you know, and then he goes on that like the 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 power of God's love compels us to right, preach the gospel. Right. I think it's like Second Corinthians, um, but what Paul was saying is like like they have this revelation that everyone, including the unbeliever, is a is a part of the family of God, and mm-hmm. so it's their job to go out and and you know bring the message of salvation, basically saying, "Come home, right. recognize who you are." And that in in that the in that reconciliation, biblical recon- reconciliation is convincing someone of their true identity. Yeah, right. It's it's it's. Helping them understand who they really are, not trying to get them to be what they're not. Now, once they understand who they really are, they will begin to act like who they really are, and they'll they will they will um, mature from an offspring to a child, and then eventually through you know through sanctification, they'll become a son or daughter by their activity. And that's why, by the way, Jesus, and this is in John eight, um, Jesus is getting on to the Pharisees, and he says, "You are of your father, the devil." Yeah. Now he's not saying that the devil spawned his own race of humanity, yeah. well, right? Can't the Nephilim, create. right? Right. The Nephilim. <laughs> what he's saying is that by your actions, even though you are image bearers of God, by your actions you are acting like the devil, who is a liar, and because you are are trafficking in deception, is what he's saying. Yeah. And so this is Second Corinthians five sixteen. He says, "So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view." Yeah. Um, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you know, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And right. so, you know, um, it, but it's interesting, like for people to say that, you know, not, you know, not everyone's a child of God. Well, I mean, you know, maybe not in the sense that well, they're Well, it depends following. on what you mean, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so that's why I don't like- Well, when they the, said that, they like to be polarizing. They, they one right. They're only taking one of those words. Again, like, they're weaponizing the word against people yeah. when, when in reality, it's much more nuanced than what that guy was saying. Uh, is it true that not everyone is saved? Of course, not everyone is saved. Mm. Um, but it, does everyone bear the image uh, and the likeness of God the Father as his offspring? Yes. Yeah. Is everyone born again? No. Are all born again people maturing and looking like their father? Absolutely not. Yeah. But to just say point blank, stop telling people they're God's children, I don't agree with that. I, yeah. I think that's too... Um, that's focusing too much on one aspect of who we are. Well, it completely removes the compassion needed yeah. for evangelism. Well, and uh, why would I go and evangelize something that is not of my race or or not race or my my creation, my my right. DNA, right? Like, well, and Paul Paul says it's his kindness. This is Romans two. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. It's not you know condemning everyone. You're not really a son. Yeah. That's not going to turn anyone. James says. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You're not going to bully someone into the kingdom. Sure. You're not going to browbeat someone into the kingdom by telling them how bad they are and what they aren't. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just a, a misunderstanding of the heart of God 
and a misunderstanding of some Greek words, uh, yeah. which hopefully this you know this guy probably will never hear. This I, podcast, I I have come up with a very um, particular way of evangelizing people. I call it headbutt evangelism. Mm, tell me more. And so what I do is I go into public and I start talking to someone and I, I get to the point where they're very uncomfortable with me. Um, and then what I do is I headbutt them right in the mouth. Mm, in the name of Christ. In the name of Christ. And Do I, you say something yeah, while I you say, headbutt them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the say, powder of Christ compels you. The powder of Christ? The powder. Um, but no, I headbutt them and I'm like, hey, hey, you see that blood? You see that blood? He shed that blood for you too. Oh, <laughs> you make them bleed. Yeah, and then you, you convince them that they need his blood. Dude, you remember that old that video that was going around about that guy? He was like a youth pastor. We've talked about this before. And yeah, uh, he, I just crushed him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, uh, he's like, yeah, this kid, and he was just playing games with the Lord. Yeah. And so I walk up to him, and I say, Ben. When are you going to stop playing around with God? And then I punched him as hard as I could in the stomach. I mean, I just folded him. I folded him. I crushed him. And I was like, what? And that guy thought he was doing something good by abusing someone else's child in the name of Christ. That's like sermon illustrations gone wrong. Of course that (laughs) kid prayed a prayer after that. He's like, just don't hit me, man. I'll pray whatever you want me to. Jeez. Gosh. Kids. Kids, report adults that are hitting you. Adults, listen, <laughs> not the sermon does not. We do not. Let me repeat. We do not condone hitting children <laughs> in but, order to lead them to Christ. But I will headbutt someone to evangelize Any other reasons, fine. Well, I don't think headbutt is, is hitting. I mm-hmm. mean, right? That's a, that's a technical skill no. that you've acquired <laughs> over years of training. I'm just knocking them with my knower. <laughs> knocking them with my knower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to do a segment here called How Great Is Our Pod? Sing with me now. Yeah. So this is where we do music. Like instead of talking about worship, we actually parody worship, write songs, do stuff like that. So today uh, we're going to write another worship song. The first the first How Great Is Our Pod we did, we wrote a worship song, You Sweet and All I Do. Uh, we've been approached by multiple artists about covering that, and we just we want to keep our integrity, so we've said no. Yeah, we're not um, we're not going to sign the contract. Yeah, Toby Mac was really belligerent about mm-hmm. about wanting to do the song. And you know what I said to him? I said, "Top of the morning to you, Disa. You smoothie me ice cold pizza." <laughs> you do the Zumba. I do not. <laughs> I dude, I know that whole thing. <laughs> dude, it's the worst rap is ever. A, is, is it the like worst? DC? Is it the worst it's or possibly bad. the best? I don't know. Is it's, that a DC talk song? No, no. It's it's uh Good Mandisa. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Mandisa song. <laughs> Tell me you don't smile when you sit in the- <laughs> No, it's a great song, but the rap is just it's not that great. Top dude. of the morning, morning to you, Disa. You smoothie me I, ice cold pizza. pizza. Cafe ole latte da. da. You do the Zumba, but I, I do not. not. Something half a marathon. <laughs> I read the gospel of St. John. <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, and maybe that's why he wanted our song. Um and uh but so what we're doing here is we're gonna write a song in real time. Right in front of you, listener, and um, I thought it'd be fun to do it in the style of Maverick City. So grab your steering wheel, close your eyes, and tune out the horns. <laughs> and and get ready for Daddy God to move, because we are bringing some Maverick City to you. Now, I wish I had keyboards, but I just have my uh, my trusty guitar here. 
Um, so a couple of things about Maverick City. First of all, yes, we're making fun. Uh, but also, yes, we love them. Okay. So don't get mad, Maverick City fans. All right. We love Maverick City. Uh, they do a good job. Uh, but there are a couple things that are unique to Maverick City that we're going to try to write this song. First of all, most songs have like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus. Verse, format. chorus, chorus. That's kind of like the that's the, the format of most songs, worship or not worship. Maverick like does not care about that. So what they'll do is they do like movements. Mm-hmm. They do like a, like several refrains and just piece them all together and they'll repeat them 80 million times. Yeah. So so we're going to have to be pretty repetitive in this one. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to be pretty repetitive in this one. We're going to have to be pretty repetitive in this one. We're going to have to be pretty repetitive in this one. Yeah. Yeah, pretty repetitive, but in this one. Yeah. Because it's Maverick City. Repetitive in this one. Well, it's Maverick City, so we're yeah. going to have to be repetitive. Yeah, really repetitive. <laughs> well, because it's Maverick City. Yeah, it's Maverick City, of course. <laughs> okay. So uh, enough of that. Um, so <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> the other thing that Maverick City does is they do a lot of like on the fly, in the moment, singing out, right? So guys, I'm going to ask you to not... So we're going to write something. I have a chorus... James got a chorus. Yeah, exactly. I have a chorus that I, that I want it to kind of be the anchor of the song. And then we're going to write a verse, but then we're also going to do an on-the-fly moment where we just kind of sing what's in our hearts at the time. On-the-fly moment. So, so let me teach this chorus to you guys, um, my Maverick City chorus. Um, it goes like this. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more and more and more and more. I need you more, more. Y'all sing it with me. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. Think we're done more and more and more and more. Okay, so, so I, I need, I need more. you more, hey, more, more. Gunger did Holy Times Five. More. We're doing more times a hundred. Okay, times. that's basically what uh, Maverick City does. Well, this so and that's going to be our chorus. Um, we're going to keep coming back to that. It's the Morris. This the Morris. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so let's do. Um, so let's write our verse. And so it'd be good to do like. Uh, You're the light in my darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the thump dun 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 dun. I need you more. Okay, so let's write this. So Eric, are you taking notes? So we can start with you're the light in the darkness. You're the light in my darkness. Now we need to do two more of those you're the blank to my blank or the you're the blank, right? And so y'all throw one out here. You're, let's make it slowly go off the rails. Uh... (laughs) You're the cream to my cheese. Or cream to my coffee. The cream to my coffee? Okay. Yes. Right. So you're the light in the darkness. Light to the darkness. You're the light. You're the cream in my coffee. Here, we need one more. In my coffee. Um, you're the E85 to my ethanol. No, that's, that's too long. That's too long. <laughs> you're the octane in my gas. You're the octane in my Ooh. gas. And then, then, then after the third one there, we'll say, I need you more. Or let's just say more, 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 more. So let's just get more mores in there. Okay. So okay, are you ready to sing this? Yeah. Say one, two, ready, go. You're the light to the darkness. You're the cream in my coffee. 
You're the octane in my gas. <laughs> I need you more, 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 more. Okay, we need more. You're the hair plugs in my head. <laughs> hair plugs Just don't try to rhyme with gas anymore. In my head. Yeah, we don't we don't need to worry about rhyming. This is a Maverick song, dude. Come on. You're the petty to my theft. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're the you're the fur on my kitten. You're um, the fur on my kitten. Okay. Okay. Is that three? Did we just come up with three more? Yeah. So okay. we got you the hair hair plugs in my head, <laughs> the petty to my theft. That rhymes a little bit. Yeah. You're the fur to my kitten. I need you more and more. Okay. So let's look, from the top. Let's sing those. Okay. Uh, and I don't have them in front of me, so you'll have to. Okay. I'll come in on the more and more at the end. Okay. So one, two, ready, go. You're the light to my darkness. You're the cream in my coffee. You're the octane in my gas. I need you more, 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 more. You're the hair plugs in my head. That's so weird. You're the petty to my theft. You're the fur to my kitten. I need you more, 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 more. Then we go back to the course. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. Okay. All right. So we got our song. Okay. This is it. Now, we're going to do an extra part, though, but we're going to do it live. Okay. okay? Now, because <laughs> it's free singing, and it'll be like, even when I something, yeah, Lord, you still love me. Okay, okay so it's going to be even when I. So we're going to kind of confess something, even when I fall short, okay. even when I, you know, do something wrong. And then we're all going to sing, you still love me. Okay, and we're going to take turns doing this. So it would be something like, even when I cheated on my taxes, Lord, you still love me. So y'all have to sing, you still love me. Okay, so let's, let's so y'all sing, you still love me. Okay, so... Even when I cheated on my taxes, you still love me. Even, I'm no, sorry. you go for it. Even when I drink milk out of the jug, <laughs> yeah, you still love me. Okay, Even, okay, okay, okay. don't write it. this. I've got them. Yeah, but don't write it. Uh, you don't write them. Okay, you, uh, you don't you don't write these in advance. You okay. have to say them, and we'll we'll just kind of look at each other and go in order. Once we get to that point. Okay. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Okay, now, Eric, you're going to have to lead the verse. Okay. So we're going to go more and more and more and more and more and more. That's mm -hmm. the, <laughs> that's the, um, we'll start with that. Then we'll go to the verse. <laughs> okay. Then we'll go back to more and more and more and more. Then we'll do the free singing moment. Okay. And then we'll end with more and more and more and more. Okay. 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 Y'all ready? All right. Here it goes. Here is our Maverick City worship song. Here we go, more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. You're the light to the darkness. Yeah. You're the cream in my coffee. Yes, you are. 
You're the octane in my gas. More, 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 more. You're the hair plugs in my head. That's so weird. You're the petty to my theft. Yes, yeah. it is. You're the fur to my kitten. Mm, kitten. More, more, more. Here we go, more, more. more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. More and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more. Even when I accidentally wrecked my car. Still love Even when I drink milk out of the jug, you still love me more. Even when I pee on the toilet seat, you still love me. It's my turn. Even when I kicked over my cousin's face, you still love me. Even when I don't put my toothbrush up, oh, that's so bad. You still love me. Phoenix. Even when you don't remember what you were gonna say for this, yes, you still love me. It's my me. turn. Even when I say a bad word in the pulpit, you still love me. Even when I step and poo in the yard, yeah, you still Phoenix. love me. Even when you put that poo in Eric's yard, <laughs> you still that was you. Love me. More and more, more and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more and more and more and more. I need you more, 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 more and more and more and more. I think we just wrote a Maverick song. Lift your voice to Daddy God. It was was my dog that pooped in Eric's yard. I think it was Phoenix. You, that was a confession on air. (laughs) I was wondering. We were both wondering how it got there. It needed a clarifying statement. (laughs) That's all right. You were open and you were honest before the Lord. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) All is forgiven. All right, guys, we are going more to... More and more uh, and more <laughs> and more. I need you more, 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 more. more. Uh, that's going to be stuck in your head for a while, guys. I apologize, but blame Maverick City. Um, I do think we said the word more at least 100 times. Yeah. Someone, if you'd like to go back and count, um, feel free, but I'm yeah. pretty sure we, we did it. Uh, so now we're going to go to our last segment for today uh, called Shady Theology. This is one of our um, main segments that we started off from the very beginning. This is where we talk about something, uh, a theology that's maybe a little bit shady. Maybe it's got some truth to it. Um, maybe it's got, 
It's maybe it's just popular in culture, uh, but today, or maybe it's just culturally popular. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, uh, more, 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 more. So, um, <laughs> so today we thought it'd be just because we want to get in trouble with everyone. Uh, we thought we would talk about the issue of modesty. Modesty is hottesty, baby. Modest is hottest. It's true. Yeah, there was that. Who was the worship leader that sang that song? Um, oh my gosh! There's like What's a that guy? main line. Modesty, <laughs> modesty. Uh, no, it was. Uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. It's like a CCM artist. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. He's so good. He's a great songwriter, and he wrote a song it's about, called "Modest Is Hottest." Yes. Um, really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never heard of this. Yes, and he got so in trouble. Yeah, he got I bet chewed he did. out um, about about this. Um, and 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 people were like, dude, you're you know you're shaming others. Matthew West. Matthew, Matthew West, West. That's right. You're shaming others, and you're shaming your daughters, and and uh, you're so a terrible dad. So what is the prevailing thoughts or thought? Yeah, the thought or thoughts about modesty, and then what does Scripture actually say about mm-hmm. it? Um, well, so, all I'm going to say, Jamie, is if there's a table that ain't got a tablecloth on it. Your boy might stumble. <laughs> I look at those those you might smooth, kick it with your toe. smooth table legs and <laughs> that wood grain, and uh, the mind goes to wandering about what oh life would be gosh. like. That's interesting. Um, no, I, I uh, and we might. I don't know where we land on this, but I think uh, I'm I'm a I'm a shameless centrist on almost all issues. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's something to be said on both sides. What I want to push back against in particular, though, is like sort of the common thought. Like there's this Instagram page called Exvangelicals, mm-hmm. and they're constantly just trashing the church and the evangelical movement. Um, but one of the things that they said was they've been kind of pushing this propaganda about like, you know, the church and modesty culture is the is the reason that young women are ashamed of their bodies and ashamed, you know, sexually and all these different things. And I just don't think that's the truth. Yeah. I think there was a, a bad balance, um, you know, early on in evangelicalism where the onus of covering up and protecting your eyes and protecting your thoughts was placed on, on women. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that was a problem with evangelical culture. I just think that was a problem with the culture of the 1950s and 40s. I don't think that was specifically church. You know, like you could go anywhere. It didn't matter if you were in a Baptist church. I mean, you could be in the business, you know, in in business. And and if you weren't wearing a skirt below your calves, you Mm -hmm. know, you were considered, you know, you know, promiscuous. But, um, I have a problem with people that blame the church for people that have body image issues, like solely. I know there was a lot of, of, of sort of bad teaching that came, but I don't think it's it's the church's fault completely. I think it was a cultural thing. Um, I think that to a degree, like to a large degree, that men, guys, you are responsible yeah. for where your eyes be going. That's right. And then subsequently where your thoughts be going. You know, there's a, there's a phrase, and I agree with this 100%, and it says women's bodies are not responsible for men's thoughts. Yeah, and I agree. So true. It's one hundred percent true. Guys have um, the um, the 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 onus is on them to control their thoughts, to watch what what they're watching, um, and to and to treat women with respect and treat them like they are daughters of God and not just pieces of meat. I mean, it's really really important. But at the same time, so one hundred percent right. But at the same time, it is scientifically proven over and over and over and over, that guys are turned on visually. That men like naked women. It's true. <laughs> it's just true. Scientific facts. And 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 whether someone is a believer and believes that God created humanity as is, mm-hmm. 
um, even though riddled with sin, but but he he created men who who are who respond to uh, visual stimulus. Um, or if you are an evolutionist and you believe that evolution created humanity as it is, then evolution created this situation where men are turned on visually. Either way, the truth, it's measurable, mm-hmm. is that guys are turned on by um, by what they see, okay? So- You're such a misogynist, Jamie. No, well, I, here's the thing, though. So was backtracking, guys. But how do you, how do you apply this? And, and how do you apply this in a way that's not damaging? Because when I was a youth pastor, what most youth pastors would do is they would require the girls- to, wear, to a shirt. wear a shirt over their bathing suit, or yeah. at the very least, a one piece, not a two piece. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can understand how that's, you know, um, how that would be like you know, teach a lesson that your body is shameful or something mm-hmm. like that. But in reality, what those youth pastors were simply trying to do is protect the girls from the bubbling cauldron of testosterone that is the teenage boy. Yeah. Who I mean, teenage boys are terrible. Yeah, they, they are, are awful, slimy um, little jokers. They are. I mean, seriously. <laughs> and so, and so, it was it was an attempt to help the girls, but it I think in many circles it came off as as well, yeah, stifling. It came off as stifling. And and what I did, you know, I you know, being a, a millennial and kind of being a product of like sex shame culture and stuff like that, and um. You know, and you should know, Jamie, I'm sure you wore a shirt a lot when you were a kid at the pools. Um, <laughs> Still do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, when I went into youth ministry, the first thing I did, I, I had a female uh, assistant director that was with me. Yeah. And I asked her, as a Christian female, what do you think the hard and fast rules should be for, you know, swimwear? Because mm-hmm. that's where we're at. You yeah. know, where do, what do we wear when we go swimming? Um, and, you know, we ditched the T-shirt, we ditched the one piece, and we went with appropriate bathing suit. Mm-hmm. And I let my my female assistant director in congruence with me be the determining factor on what that was. And so, you know, that way it wasn't just me mansplaining what I think was appropriate. I actually had a, a, a a female Christian who loves the Lord, uh, you know, uh, believed in, in modesty, biblical modesty, but also didn't want to stifle, you know, the human body. So that's kind of where I went with it. Well, and and so it's, it's so easy now people in their thirties, twenties, thirties, and forties to look back at, at their youth group experience and say, oh my gosh, that was so, you know, that, that was so um, oppressive or whatever. But Mm -hmm. the truth is like, y'all need to give your youth pastors and pastors a break sometime. I mean, I'm not talking about abuse. Abuse is bad, Yeah, but, but ministers are for the most part are just trying to do the best. Dude, I had a situation. I took a group of youth to the beach and um, thank God I had some female workers. And I think that's a, what you just said is is such a, a really important part to have women w- around the youth group works, not just dudes, right? Mm-hmm. And and there are these two sisters that – and they hadn't been to the beach before. They were kind of more of a, like from a poverty background. And so they had just brought white T-shirts mm-hmm. to go to the beach. And they went in the water. And when they came out, you could see everything. More and, and more and more. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. I mean, and it was, I was, I was mortified. I had, I like, my brain was like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. what am I looking at? Oh my gosh. And my thought wasn't protect the boys. My thought was protect those girls. Yeah. And so I went to one of my workers, um, volunteers who happened to be a parent as well, mm-hmm. one of the youth, and I said, hey, 
I need you immediately to go over to these sisters and, and help them get them a towel, you know, I, I, whatever. N- not because it was like, oh, female bodies are dirty and shameful. Sure. No, I was trying to protect them from ridicule, from, you know, from and from what some nasty teenage dude would think about them. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's tough. Now, modesty in Scripture, it's interesting. And I mentioned this like way back in an earlier podcast, there are two main passages, one by Paul, one by Peter, uh, that talk about modesty. So First Timothy 2, 9 and 10 is Paul. It says, likewise, uh, women. Now, by the way, it says likewise because he just finished giving men a hard time. All right. So don't think that Scripture only has um, instructions for women. It has instructions on how to behave for men as well. Okay. So likewise, just like the men also, women should adore themselves in respectable peril and modesty. So there's the word modesty, self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but what's proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So what's he saying? Okay, first of all, he mentions braided hair, and it's interesting. Peter does as well. My understanding is, is in first century pagan mm-hmm. um, cultures, braided hair was a symbol that you were a prostitute. And it was a symbol that you were loose morally. Well, let me uh, take out this braid I have. <laughs> I, I shared that one Sunday morning at church, and my daughter had braided hair, and she started unbraiding it. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, she was small. She was, a, she was a girl. Um, but, but the, so, so again, it, it's not it's to protect the woman, not to oppress the woman, and but then also notice what Paul says. He says with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. See, he's not talking about showing skin as much as he's t- talking about showing money, mm-hmm. showing, you know, making someone feel less than by how you dress at church. Yeah. So let me read also. So here's Peter's. This is First Peter 3, 3 and 4. It says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit in which God's sight, in which uh, which in God's sight is very precious. So, what are, they, are these guys trying to control women's bodies? No, they're they're trying to say, look, holiness and godliness is internal. Don't try to dress in such a way that impresses everyone with your godliness. Impress them with godly works. Yeah, with like fruit. So, but that leads me because the conversation about modesty is almost always directed towards women. Yeah, like how how can men operate in modesty? Well, I mean, I you know, I, if I take my shirt off, a bunch of women are going to stumble. So they're, they're going to stumble I, because they're like running. They're, they'll be fleeing. <laughs> if men are turned on visually, then women tend to be, in general, turned on emotionally. Mm-hmm. That's why you know most pornography is aimed at guys, while romance novels are aimed at women. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's there's a you don't see guys reading romance novels. Yeah. Um, and the reason is, is because that speaks to, um, you know, the heart of a woman. So I think for guys, we have to be careful not only what we wear, but also how we act based on the f- physiological reality. Yeah, of and, that, and that's that, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think it's based on like what, like physiologically, what could cause the opposite gender to, you know, fall into sin. And yeah. I think for guys, it's probably an emotional thing, like yeah. being flirtatious and right. Um, you know, offering, you know, or promising emotional stability to women that you don't intend on committing yourself That's to. That's right. That's right. You know, in the same way, it's like, you know, why would you, why would I want someone to reveal a part of their body to me that would be reserved for marriage? Right. 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 For me, summary, um, 
no one else is responsible for your thought life. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the foundation. Sure. Right? And guys, guys and women have to hold themselves to a high account- accountability. But if you know that you're doing something that causes a brother or sister to stumble and you continue to do it, that's sin. Yeah. It's sin. Point blank is exactly what scripture says. And so just like it would be wrong for a guy to go up to a girl who has no intention of dating, uh, courting or anything like that and say, no, you're, you're incredible. I love you. You mean so much to me. And he's just laying on all this emotional, uh, romantic. Girl, I can make your dreams Yeah, language. And he's just playing her. That's wrong. That's wrong. In the same way, though, a woman exposing her body in an Mm. inappropriate way and acting like, that's no big deal. It is. Like, he is going to respond to that. And for you to act like that's okay is just to be ignorant of science. That's why you see incredibly ugly musicians get married to incredibly pretty women. All right, Jamie, stop talking about yourself, dude. <laughs> well, I, I think I would qualify um, because... No, I believe you do qualify. Because no. because what's considered attractive for men and women is different. It's completely different. Who yeah. was it? Lyle Lovett and um, uh, the girl that was in Pretty Woman. Weren't they married together? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, yeah. yeah but Lyle Lovett's the ugliest looking dude ever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So and, they've they've done studies on that, and it, it showed that the the uglier men with the hotter wives have happier, longer marriages. Yeah. Well, there we go. Statistically, so they, I'm set. <laughs> yeah. More and more and more. It's over. More. The podcast is over. Phoenix, sorry, there's no more. The and more and more and more. All right. <laughs> Do you need a modesty cloth? I'm just I could have done a whole one on that. He can't even hit the buttons um, right. All right, guys. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Not the Sermon. This has been fun. Yeah. Right. And Jamie finally, the whole time we were talking about modesty, every minute that went by, he was unbuttoning, Slowly unbuttoning. on his yeah. shirt. No, it's so true. I, I, I didn't his, think you were going to tell him. I see his belly button now. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to Not, Not the, the Sermon. sermon. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Victory Fellowship Church in Thomasville, Georgia. Eric and Jamie can be reached at emailing notthesermon at gmail.com. Father to the fatherland, defender of the little kids, gracious and compassionate.